Blog Talk Radio. Last cry 
it really speaks out to what's happening to all these different things that's happening in the world. You know, just I came, the breath, the breath of life, you know, we we our, our growth and our breath is getting stymied by these different things that's happening in the in in the world today in the country in America mainly America and um, the way I used to look at it a long time ago, Jody man you know I used to watch TV a lot and I used to see a lot of these different countries where they'd be fighting the I would see how they'd be throwing stuff at the at the officials and the police, and I wonder why are they acting so wild like that? But this 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 spirit goes all around the world now. It's all around the world. It's not only there; it's, it's here in America. This this unrest, this unrest. People just tired of being tired. <laughs> you know, they just tired of being tired. They want they want something to happen. They need they need a they need somebody to relieve them, you know, and then that's why I really, as me being a spiritual person, me being a Christian, at the same time I know that they, he's coming back. I don't know. I don't know what time. I don't know, but I know he's coming back. And so uh, I guess he's a, he's a friend of mine. I, I had some experience with him a long time ago. I know a lot about him, you know. He works with a lot of people over in South Dallas. And, you know, back in the 80s and the 90s, uh, South Dallas had a lot of problems with the youth over there. A lot of the people in, didn't, have a, uh, didn't have a mentor, a lot of mentors, a lot of people to lead them and show them the way. And basically, it's like, you know, I called you last night and I showed you the TV how those people in South Dallas are starting marching too. You saw it last night, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, you know, back in the day, you know, like when we were growing up, we had, you know, leaders in our community like uh, Brother Al Lipscomb and, and uh, Sister Ray. Brother Dan, we, we have our guests on the. Brother Dan, we have our guests on the line here. We're going to bring him in right, right away, okay? We're gonna, okay. And then we'll, bring, we'll follow up on what you're discussing here. The next voice you'll hear will be our guest for today here, Mr. Ken Rodney here. He's going to be our guest. He's going to let us know about some things that's dear to his heart and let us know how to navigate through this uh, through this uh, uh, treacherous terrain that we are going to call our society, how we too can t- take ownership of what's going on. Good morning, Mr. Uh, Rod- uh, Rodney. You're on the net, and thank you for your patience. I'm here. Good morning. Good morning. How are you both? I'm doing great. I have Brother Daniel on the line. He's doing the one that right. me to you. But uh, we're happy to oh, have absolutely. you be aboard of it. And we're for we're, oh, we're for a great time this morning. You know, we have a very hot topic, something that's plaguing our society today. And as you have been out there and, and still are out there, give us some insight on what we're facing today. Well, good morning to everyone that's listening. Um this is a very detailed situation that we're dealing with right now. And it's also something that has been prominent for hundreds of years. Uh, this is not a new occurrence. Unfortunately, these occurrences are something that we have become used to, uh, accustomed to happening. The incident that happened to Mr. Floyd up in Minnesota, uh, I watched 
uh, that brother's last breath uh, in real time uh, on yes. TV. Um, it it bothers me. It uh, had had tears in my eyes. I'm not a weak man, but I hurt, and I hurt for that man. I hurt for his family. Uh, I hurt for us as a people. What we have to recognize is that where our powers lie. Uh, first of all, when we look at the criminal uh, justice system, uh, I've worked in it. I've uh, done investigations with the state um, ex-probation officer uh, in a lot of ways that the penal system is um, not fair uh, when it comes to people of color. Um, and we have to learn how to navigate through that in, in regards to, if I don't think about single mothers out here, um, they need some guidelines to uh, teach their kids, uh, especially their men, but even women, uh, their young ladies, how to handle a situation pulled over by the police or if questioned by the police. Uh, how can you respond without showing anger, uh, even though you're angry, uh, even though you have a right to be fearful? Because uh, we know, unfortunately, that uh, when we're stopped, uh, that if there is any type of incident, it seems that when it comes to people of color that it goes to uh, lethal force immediately, uh, regardless of what they have on their belts. Um, they have the ability to pepper spray, to pet tase and things of that nature. And it always uh, baffles me how we're the ones that are always receiving the bullets or, or getting the whooping that uh, you saw Rodney King get uh, when there wasn't a need for anyone else to hit, hit that brother anymore years ago. But yes, that's uh, a lot of what's on my mind, and uh, um, and also uh, let me say this uh, to us as a people: uh, when spider webs unite, they can tie up a lion. That's an African proverb. In other words, as many problems as we have through society, a lot of things that we need to put together within ourselves, we can. Just point the finger at the outside forces. We have to increase the force of our inside forces. And our inside forces come by numbers. Numbers. Back in 1955, uh, December 5th, 1955, uh, the date that Rosa Parks decided not to give up her seat on that bus in Montgomery, Alabama, the people in Montgomery and Reverend King and others decided they would walk. So they walked, they carpooled, they did all, anything, route, road, bicycles, walked to work, but they did not use that transit system, and it brought that transit system to its knees, not because Come they on missed now. You're those black people riding now. You're the bus. Not, be, not because they didn't uh, uh, respect uh, did, that they missed the people of color riding the bus. They missed those nickels and dimes. As long as we see, we're the biggest consumer in the nation. You know, we we spend billions of dollars every year. Black people do, and we need to be very choiceful of who we spend our dollar with. If mm -hmm. we go in stores and there's no one that represents us, and they uh, look at us first like we're going to steal something, then we need to steal our dollar from them and walk right back out the door. <laughs> And see, the situation is is that when Rosa Parks and all those beautiful black people in Montgomery, Alabama, and Dr. King and Abernathy 
when they stuck together, see, remember when I said when spider webs unite, they can tie up a lion. African proverb. When they crossed over and entwined their fingers and their hearts and their souls and their mission, they brought that transit system to their knees, and they could sit anywhere they wanted to because they wanted those nickels and dimes back. Dead presidents is what changes this society. Those mm-hmm. dollar bills. That's what they mm-hmm. care about. That's they don't they care, care about, about. Yeah, they care about those dollar bills. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some good folks of different nationalities. Some good folks, okay? There were good mm-hmm. folks that lost their lives during the Voting Rights uh, Act, during the, the uh, registering, the registration in, in the South. There were a lot, Goodman and Cheney, and my um, guy, like the other name escapes me. They were killed. It was two, two white guys, one Jewish. Yes, they were. I was sharing that with someone yeah, the other day. Yeah, and 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 the thing is, is man, that good people. When I, when I look on TV and I see the marching going on in in Minnesota right now, what what mm-hmm. makes my heart feel good is there's oh a lot of white folks out there just as mad as we are, just yeah. as mad as we are. <clears throat> so. Can I make yes, a make, make a uh, 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 suggestion? Uh, I I looked at uh, the, the the demographic uh, relationship of, of Minnesota. It's a, like a melting pot of many people. In the Minnesota, mm-hmm. it's a lot of races that's in the state. It's a lot of Muslim people. It's a lot of black people. It's a lot of African people, and mm-hmm. basically. And even when I was looking at that film, I noticed this guy that was uh, talking to that to that little Chinese person. He said, "Man, I know you. I know you. I know your whole family." You heard me when he mm. said that? And he I didn't, told get, him, I didn't I see that interview. I'm sorry, young, man. And so what I'm saying, mm-hmm. most of this, all these people knew each other. Mm-hmm. They knew each other. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Well, and so, and, and, and 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 that's the key. I'm sorry. Let me let you continue. Oh yeah, well, well, you can go, you can go. No, no, but no. What, what you said makes sense, and, and and I may not know you personally, I may not have shaken your hand, but when I see you, one thing my nephew told me one day, I I, I took him out, and he said, "Up, one thing I love about you, what's that?" He said, "You meet people like you've known them all your life." I said, "They just people, man. They just people." You know, treat people mm-hmm. with dignity, you get dignity. Treat people with respect, you get respect. Treat people with love, you get love. So we have to learn how to, there's a lot of things I want to say. And if I jump all over the map with my mind right now, time will be up and, and, and won't, won't be, not be any message. Let me, let me go to what needs to be done, or what you need to tell your kids, your your black male children. Understand, I know you've already told them, that, hey, be careful, boy. Uh, don't go out there. Keep your mouth shut. Uh, a few more things. Understand the power of the cell phone, because that's why we're where we are right now, because now, uh, as uh, I think it was, uh, well, one of the, one of the uh, comedians or actors said that uh, um, what's going on right now, the racism isn't new. It's just being videotaped. In other words, we're seeing it now, Okay. Yes, we understand are. the power. So what I do in my car is I keep my phone to where I can hit a button and start recording an audio recording. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. try to I don't try to pick up and point the camera at them. You know, 
if, if, if I'm getting pulled over, I'm, I may look at my clock. Okay, it's ten sixteen on Saturday on 5-30-2020. I'm getting pulled over right now. I'm at the, the corner of Boogaloo Drive or whatever, okay? And I just lay the phone down. That way the whole conversation that happened is being recorded, and no one knows it's being recorded. Use your phone as your tool, okay? If you see someone being harassed, Try to get to a place where you're not really as visible. It's not you don't want to antagonize the officer. You just want to record them. They know people are recording them. So you don't need to antagonize them. This is twenty twenty. Everybody knows that I have a camera. Now, when it comes to what do you do? When I went to when I went home to Indianapolis, Indiana, I we my wife and I had rented a car and the back lights had gone out and I didn't know it. And so I'm riding down four twenty one. Um, and uh, the sheriff gets behind me, and I said, oh, Lord, you know, I'm, Indiana is, has, uh, has some racial history as well. I said, okay. So the first mm-hmm. thing I do, the first thing I did is I pulled over. I turned the dome light on inside the car so he could see me. I got my driver's license and laid it out, had it in my hand, okay? So that gave him the assurance I'm not trying to hide anything, and then at that point, I sit. I do not get out the car. Don't get out the car. Stay in the car until they ask you to get out the car. Don't make make mm-hmm. as many move. Don't make any moves. When they mm-hmm. ask you a yes or no question, answer yes or no. Don't give any additional information. If they ask you something particular, answer it as swiftly and as precisely as possible. Do not elaborate any further. Just ask them, well, where are you going? I'm going to the store for my mother. Mm-hmm. Leave it alone. But above mm-hmm. all, when they ask you to get out, get out of the car, stand up, follow instructions. Some folks want you to have a problem. The term stop resisting is used because they want that on their tape. See, they're taping too. Stop mm-hmm. resisting. I was watching the tape today. The young brother wasn't resistant. He was telling them that he had just had back surgery, that they were hurting him. Oh, but they kept, they kept, hurting. they kept pushing on him. Yeah, they were hurting him. So, the bottom line is, make a note how you answer questions. Eye contact is good. Any kind of sharp movement or quick movement is bad. If They've been shot because they had a cell phone in their hand. They didn't know what it was. They thought it was a gun. Excuse Mm -hmm. me. Make these small adjustments. And above all, above all, stay as calm as possible. You have a right to be nervous because of our history. That young man up in in, uh, Minnesota, he didn't deserve what he received. He was hurt. We have to call it as we see it. You know, and I heard the Reverend say earlier, and Fannie Lou Hammer said this one of my favorite saying, You can pray until you faint, but sooner or later you gotta get up and do something. Mm-hmm. Sooner or later you got to get up and do something. So prayer is good. That you praise. It, yes, it, it is. Works. Yes, it is. Hey, we got a couple of callers on the line here that just want to come in mm-hmm. on what we're discussing here. We got a uh Wade that's gonna come up here and he's gonna address some few things and then we'll bring him on then we'll bring you back. That's cool. Hey. Thank you, thank you. Though, good morning, Wade. You're on the net. Hey, hey, how's it going? How's it going? It's going great. Now, where are you calling from now? Uh, this is California over here. 
All right, well, great. I'll tell you what, we got a great topic here. Now, what do you want to address? You said you had some things that you wanted to share and chime in on what we're discussing with our guest here, Ken Rogers. Yeah, I think it's. Yeah, I think it's uh, it just ain't right when you have to do stuff like what you're talking about. You know what I mean? When you gotta, you know, put your camera on and all that. You know, I mean, I I know per, firsthand when they when they when they if I get pulled over and they 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 take they treat me like I'm like you know like I did something like I did something wrong, just because of the way I look. Mm-hmm. You know, so I get judged like that all the time. So I understand what it feels like. Man. I mean, I don't like it. You know, and I, and 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 I try I have to be cool. I got to keep my cool, you know, even though I don't feel like doing that, you know, right. it's just going to get worse and worse if I don't. So, that, that, so how that, do you think we should address this here? Our topic is I can't breathe in, uh, being black in America, but we use that as a metaphor, as a metaphor that we can't be heard or our problems can't be addressed. How would you go about addressing well, you, the issues that's plaguing society for a black point of view? Man, I'll tell you what I'd do, man. I'd just, I'd just, I'd just get up next to somebody and start talking to them, you know, and inside mm-hmm. who I am is going to talk to inside who that person is in front of me, because it's all about love, you know, it's, love, it's a love mm-hmm. thing, you know what I mean? So people are bankrupt of love, you know, and a lot of times they act crazy when they ain't got no love, you know, that's what they need. That's what's missing, man. So mm-hmm. you got to give them and love, so you know? That's so true. You can see that up in Minnesota with all the different races that are coming together, man. There's a lot of people that are facing the same thing that we're facing as as a black society, as a race. We're not being heard. (laughs) You know, that went to me and said, hey, because I've been married. And I've been married. I talked to my wife. I said, baby, you ain't hearing me. I feel like I'm out of breath. You know, so, hey, I tell you what, that is powerful. (laughs) Hey, we got somebody else that's on the line, and we're going to bring them in. And thank you, uh, uh, Wade, for sharing that with us. And hold on there, brother. We're going to bring you back. All right. Good morning, that dog. You're on the net, man. Thank you. Thank you, sir, for calling in. Where are you calling in from? Uh, uh, I'm on? Yes, sir. You're on. Thank you for being okay, on, I, I, on yeah, the net. Yeah. Uh, I'm calling from my name, Darryl. I'm calling from New Orleans, and I just want to contribute to the discussion that in the midst of all of this chaos, what's not being discussed is the police culture that exists where you don't hold a fellow officer responsible for anything. Now, I hear a lot of the slogans, they're only 1% bad apples, but regardless, okay, let's say most of the police officers are good, where they sure don't do nothing about the bad ones. And so that's the issue nobody wants to touch, the power of the police unions, and how they protect Mm -hmm. officers. That's why the black police chief of Minneapolis could not touch the white guy because he had a power. And that brings me to the next part. It is obvious that all of this energy over the last 55, 60 years in electoral politics has zero worth of anything for African-American people. All of the black people in these political positions have not done anything, can't do anything, and they're clearly dysfunctional. Clearly, mm. it is an empty route that we have pursued. You had, you had a mm. black person with the highest organ of the land. You had nothing to show for it. You're back to the street crying and complaining. And so mm. black people who are in high places are disconnected from the people. These young people oh. you see out here, there is no connection What? So ever 
So what, we what are bankrupt. We got our hands tied, huh? Pardon? We say we the black leaders or the people we have in charge basically have their hands tied. No, what I'm saying is the black people that are in high places have no. Let, let me let me put it to you this way in a polite, crude way. The black people who are in places of high profile, elected officers, school board, school district superintendents, you name it, sheriffs, police chiefs, you name it, are their power is like an old white man who couldn't get it up before he got prostate cancer. He can't do anything. When you see a mayor like the mayor of Atlanta, when you see a man, the mayor like the mayor of Atlanta got to go before the mic and cry and all that kind of stuff and not even try to be sophisticated and smooth about how to tell the people to prevent, to stop the violence, but yet keep focused. You know, you know, we have, see what we're doing. We out here getting these white folks money, living comfortably, disconnected from the masses, putting on the front like we for the people. And it's obviously there's nothing there. There's nothing there. When you look at CNN and Fox News and MSNBC and see all these black males, journalists crying like babies, oh, I don't understand us and all. You didn't see people cry during the civil rights marches. You didn't even see the young people in Birmingham getting hoses sprayed on them and dogs sticked on them. You didn't see them crying. They're perpetuating an image of weak black males who are homosexuals and sissies. Mm. This whole thing is rigged. We're we're rigged, being set yeah. up. Come on now. We're Come being on, set up. Mm. You see. That is so mm. Yeah, all these black women there. Uh, uh, let our guest come in and address that because he's oh, oh, uh, okay. he has something to deal with that no, right no. there. So hey, thank you, but hold on though. We're gonna bring you back. Okay. Okay. Don't go okay. All right. So hey, man, the that's brother, powerful the, stuff, the, there, brother. The, the brother. Hey, the brother. Still that kid. But bring, come, come on now. Bring, chime in on that there now because you don't have some dealing with the legal system and stuff. Now, what about the culture that's involved in our law enforcement? Come on now. Well, you know, the, the bottom line is. Uh, the situation with uh, the criminal injustice system, uh, not the criminal justice system, the criminal injustice system. If we look at the history of uh, the penal system, it was a, uh, it started after uh, slavery was abolished. I think the they were called uh, uh, slave patrol. Uh, slave, slave patrol, patrol. was yeah. uh, put in place to get the free labor back. Uh, so that's when the, mm-hmm. that's when the prison system started. And it's still perpetuating to this day. Now, what the brothers said, that both brothers that spoke spoke elegantly, and I, and I appreciate what they said. Now, in, in regards to the culture of the police department, that hits the nail on the head because you have to look. So you can't look at the end of something and try to figure out why it started. Forest fire starts, you still got to find out where the spark came from. Okay? And, and the bottom line is that the spark was the slave patrol and how criminal justice continued to manifest from there and started doing the pipeline to the prison system. So basically, if you look at some law enforcement officers, they're out there actually harvesting a crop to send to the penitentiary to do the work so we have the free labor, period. Free labor. Come on with it. Now, in regards to 
uh, I was, was talking to someone yesterday, and they were they were mad at the people that were rioting. And I don't consider them rioting. I think they're venting. Um, the, the situation is, is this. Until everyone is held accountable for their actions, regardless of their titles, if that those police officers, why that situation perpetuated or why it escalated up there in Minnesota is because those four officers should have been arrested immediately, period. Mm-hmm. Now, if that had been a black man with his knee on a white man's neck with three other black men around him holding him down, regardless whether they're officers or what, there'd have been a problem. There'd been a problem. If they mm-hmm. just changed the color, period, there'd been a problem. That doesn't happen. We have to hold until they're held accountable. Till we see them. I see... See, we, we, we're getting, we've been passive because we get used to uh, 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 a pacified by, I'm going to charge you. I'm going to arrest you and charge you. They charge a man with third-degree murder, okay? Third-degree third murder. Mm-hmm. Now, 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 intent. That, now, that, you that can look at the picture. Thing, you can right? look at the video and see the intent. After he's, after he's no longer breathing, he stayed, his, kept his knee in his neck for almost another three minutes. His intent was for that man not to walk again, not to get up again. Mm-hmm. So, and by them giving a third-degree murder charge, that means when they arrest the other three officers, it's going to start from there and go backwards. Mm-hmm. All right, so that means we're going to talk about first-degree manslaughter all the way down the line. So, it so should have been, this guy should have been, could have, should have been brought forward, charged with first-degree murder, and when you get first-degree murder, the jury has the option to either give them second or third degree or manslaughter. But when you give the head culprit third degree, that means anybody behind him starts at a lower level. Mm. Like the brother that just spoke to much was a setup. That's a setup. That's a legal setup. That's a setup. Okay? That's a legal mm. setup, period. Yeah. So yeah. until that happens, don't expect things to change until we see that, until the officers see. If they do wrong, they're going to be punished. They have to be handcuffed. They have to do the perp walk like you make Bill Cosby do the perp walk and take, take them with their hands behind their back, show them in the courtroom, show them going to, going, put them on the chain, let them pull the chain, as they call it. And mm. until we oh, see that. so true. That's, <laughs> I tell you what, though, uh, I tell you what, Ken, we got our other guests on the line here for a moment here. We're going to end oh, yeah, this yeah, 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 conversation, sure. and we're going to bring someone else in. And I want you to hold on because this other person, they got to, they, they, they're dealing with the, the criminal justice system. They're uh, working on getting our uh, elderly and health challenges men and women out of incarceration. And we know that this pandemic is dreadful and it's and it's devastating. Imagine if you're in jail where you don't get that proper health care, where you don't get the proper uh 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 nutrients of uh of medicine or whatever it may be and how devastating it can be. You know, we at home we had this luxury of going to the drugstore but our brothers and sisters that's incarcerated, they can't do that. They can't even do that self they can't even do that as as social distance distance. Because they're right there within three, four feet of each other, and just imagine how you how that could be on on an elderly person. So the next voice that you'll hear will be a young lady that's on the front line. She's uh, working very diligently and trying to get our uh, brothers and sisters out of incarceration and get them uh, planted in a, and, uh, and and for their health. Good morning, uh, Miss Cleveland. You're on the net, and welcome uh, to our program. Everyone. 
Yes, good morning. Thank and you, you have so someone much, with uh, you Lord. this morning. Yes, that's exactly right. I have Cynthia Solis. Uh, she is a resident in Fort Worth but has family members in the federal prison system. And uh, as of about three and a half weeks ago, uh, she actually went to the front line and started asking for help, her and two other family members. And I saw the distress and uh, gave her a call. And Sister, what's been going on with her? Let us know how things are working out there. And welcome to the program, Miss Elise. And tell us, how did that work out? uh, Are you asking me or are you asking her? Uh, Just either one of y'all. What's the outcome on that, if you've been working? Yeah, well, it's it's ongoing. It's ongoing. And so I'll let Cynthia uh, kind of tell you uh, how we started and, and where we are right now as of this weekend today at 2 p.m. Okay. <clears throat> well, I started um, going out there and uh, protesting. Uh, where's for, out there? Um, yeah. Where's out there? Oh, it's, it's at FMC Fort Worth. It's a federal correctional facility in uh, Fort Worth. It's off of Horton Road. Um, and it, it is a one of it was the number one infested COVID infested facility in the United States at one point, mm. and they were suffering from no uh, from not being tested. People were dying in there. Um, they had no no soap. They had no um, toilet paper. They had no sanitizer. They had no PPE. Oh, they had nothing to protect them. The, infect, the infected and non-infected were using the same uh, phones and computers, which was only spiraling to everybody was infected at one point in certain units in there. Um, they were on lockdown and uh, were not able to communicate with families at certain point. When nobody knew what was going on in there. Up until now, um, they still have very little communication on to how many positive cases are still there and how many people have recovered. We started with three people protesting out there, and now we are, we've gotten more than 50 people um, at our last protest rally. And let me all right, say, all uh, right. You know, not, and, and let me just say that, uh, you know, like the uh, – he's either the director or the assistant uh, director, Michael Carvajal, of the Federal Bureau of Prisons, and so they have a law called Compassionate Release. And that is put in place for those that are either old or medically vulnerable. And because of COVID, a lot of the federal prisoners, of course, because they're us, they're black and brown, have underlined already pre-existing conditions, diabetes, heart disease, you know, the very familiar ones. And so because of COVID, we all know in the free world that they've told us that it affects those, uh, especially on the bottom, uh, the minority community the most, uh, but it also affects those who have diseases. Okay, so there's a lot of disease in the prison. A lot of it is uh, um, um, because of, you know, the way that they feed you in prison. You know, all of that has a lot to do with it. So there is a law that was already in existence, but it was designed for them not to truly let inmates out. But because of COVID, it opened up a window. And so we have had three people now released, but indirectly we're keeping the process going by staying on the front line. I mean, heck, Cynthia, they've already called the cops on us twice, right? The feds call on us. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. That means you're busy. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And also, I know that we've, you know, heard the stories in Fox News 
is going to be interviewing uh, us to talk about, they will talk to the prisoners, the inmates, because after COVID, there's a bigger underlying problem with the federal prison system and how inmates are truly being treated, and it doesn't match the Constitution. Amen. And, you know, that's so true, that because I do jail and prison ministry, and I know the uh, the like of substance and things that they have in there. When we go have our meeting room, sometimes we don't even have churros. We have to sit on the floor. <laughs> can you imagine? And I can imagine the things that they're eating. That's why a lot of guys, they load up on the junk food because the food that they're giving them is not a f- sufficient enough for them to maintain a proper diet. So they go out and they eat all this junk food, and that, and that, uh, and that challenge they held. As you said, that they have health issues there because they eat chips and, and cookies all day yes, long. Sir. Yes, they yes, come out, they, they fat, yes. but they actually been they they immune system is being uh is under the rest. Well, yeah, they're sick, but guess who's giving it to them? You know, so because uh, the system is designed just to use you, use you for the labor. They don't care if you stick around. They just want to use you until the labor is come until you're done. Okay, and you can't give right. any more, and then they just hope that you die off if they don't kill you first. So uh, Cynthia, you know, her, her, one of the three is her uncle, uh, Adam Borrego, and I know that he's about 53, 52, somewhere up in there. And, uh, you know, he's been out on the ankle monitor, and Cynthia can tell you just a little more that the harassment that continues even after their release and home confinement, wanting them to come back, they're harassing them so that they come back. Cynthia, you want to tell them what happens in the middle of the night or the morning yeah. hours? Yes. Um, well, um, normally the calls start coming in around um, midnight, and he will—he's on an ankle monitor, so they're monitoring his exact location. But um, he, we will get around four calls throughout the night, just wanting to hear his voice. They want him to get up, and, and so we get woken up in the middle of the night four different times so that they can talk to him, and then they just hang up. But. Of course, it wakes everybody up, making sure, because everybody wants to make sure he doesn't miss the phone call, because if he misses the phone call, then they all come back and arrest him. Yeah. And, um, the, night, the night before last, um, somebody called and hung up. Nobody else has this number, because this number was specifically, we just got this number for him. So they called and hung up twice, and it was them, but they said that we just let it ring too long or something. So that would have been something, a reason to come and pick him up again. Yes, I see. It's it jeopardizing so freedom. Yeah, now, yeah, now, tell me something. After, uh, uh, wait a minute. Before you go any further, I have a question I want to run to. Uh, now, after this COVID yeah. epidemic is over with, those that have been out on compassionate relief, do they, are they being jeopardized or going back in because they may get healthy enough to continue their sentences? Or how, uh, have y'all addressed that yet? If they break the rules. It's all about rules. That's it. Well, the, the home confinement, the home confinement is only until uh, supposed to be only until the the epidemic is gone. Yes. But what they're okay. trying to do is trying to put in some orders so that they can stay out permanently. Yes. But then yes. they so have to have a health issue, though, right? So it almost you almost have to kind of like, okay, I got this health issue, I got a bad heart or. Uh, you know, diabetes or something that it won't allow me to go back. So they actually have been limited at some things that they can do, right? Because of their health issues, is on is kind of a progressive deal. Is that is that's what I'm getting? Right. Well, yeah. actually, okay, great, well, great. Sort of yes. Wait, wait, but sort of yes. There's actually four conditions that qualify you for compassionate release, 
And the first two deal with the medical circumstances, and the other one is non-medical, but it's for elderly inmates. Okay, okay. And that's so true because it breaks my heart as I go down and I see people 85 years old in jail, 92 years old, and they're in a wheelchair. My God, what can a 92-year-old man do that he can think about doing it out of no, stuff, but physically he can't do it? Yes, but he's been there for a long time, though. He was there when he was young. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and and, he, and that's so true. That's something that we don't address. Mm-hmm. And, and that is, and I tell you what, now y'all put together an event. Now tell us about uh, y'all outing out there at the uh, at the prison. If anyone want to be a part of what's going on, how would they be able to join you and support this thing? Because this is something that affects all of us. Well, since we have four in the hole, we're actually planning to go out there today. The last time we were on the front line was last was this past Monday uh, for the holidays, and so uh, I hear that our that the feds are waiting for us, so we'll be there this uh, this afternoon at uh, Carswell. That's the women's facility where we're working to get an inmate out, Yolanda Annette McDowell, uh, here from Dallas. She's a homegrown Oak Cliff uh, um, citizen, yeah, and woman, and so she's in the hole. The uh, prison has been communicating with us, and so uh, we're there today at 2 o'clock. And Cynthia, I don't know if you know the address. I think it's like I three thousand. It's in the it's just the very front of the prison in Fort Worth. Yes. Now, oh, what's the age of this young lady? Just just with general talking, because as you say, there's uh, an age 54. requirement. A lot of other things that stipulates. She, she fifty four. So yes. she could be a grandmother and a great grandmother. Yes, absolutely. Oh yes, of it's so true. Yeah, nowadays. Yeah. I, I tell you what, we have a couple of callers on the line that may want to chime in on their experience at the prison. He may want to just tell you, uh, keep doing what you're doing. We're going to bring in our uh, guest this morning here. He was on the part of our program at first, and then we're going to bring him back. Yes, go ahead. Just one more thing. We'll be at at FNC Fort Worth at 4 o'clock p.m. That's the one where the feds are waiting for us. They've been waiting for us all week, and we, as we've gotten calls from the private citizens where we uh, stand and we're housed, even though now we've uh, progressed across the street, uh, but still on city property, but a little bit closer to them so that they can hear us a little better because they're, you know, moving kind of slowly. And so today at 4 o'clock, and that is 3150 North Horton, H-O-R-T-O-N Road, that is Forest Hill. Well, actually it's Fort Worth. Hill, uh, literally the street uh, separates two cities, Forest Hill and Fort Worth. So if you see Forest Hill, go for it. Okay, great. I tell you what, we'll keep you lifted up in prayer. We pray for covering and for things to go well and for the release of many, many, many more prisoners that's been affected with compromised health issues. But we're going to bring a a voice in to just encourage you. This is Ken Rodney. Good morning, Ken. You're back on the net. Would you like to say hello to these young ladies that's on the front line? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I apologize for the delay here. Wanted to get you off speakerphone so you could hear me. First of all, great work, ladies. Uh, anytime you, you. Uh, are getting the police called on you, um, let me give you the words of uh, Dick Gregory. When you want to clean the dirt out of something, you don't nice it out. You put it in the washer and you agitate it. You set the agitation. It's the agitation that cleans the dirt out of your clothing, so therefore it will also be the agitation to clean the dirt out of society. So you're doing great work. Yeah. And I commend you for it. Thank you. Thank you well, so much. Great. 
Well, good. Absolutely. Well, then we got Brother Daniel, then. He's our uh, co-host. Uh, Brother Daniel. Yeah. Uh, uh, Kevin Rowan, uh, Brother Ken, let me ask you a question. Yes, now, sir. We're talking about culture. Culture. So when we're talking about the police culture, what can be done about the police and this culture that they have that I won't tell on you and you won't tell on me? You know, but well, I believe that's what's what happened on that video. That that Asian now, guy, Ken, before you answer that, he knew. Before you answer that, oh Brother Daniel, God, do you I have got something to say, too. I know you okay. do. Oh, go ahead. We'll let the ladies go ahead. Go ahead. Let That's the sister speak. Now, who am I speaking with? Is this this Miss Selene or Miss Cleveland? Miss Cleveland. What you got to say about Okay, good. Miss Cleveland, let her go ahead and address that because we got her in at the latter part of our show, but so we want to hear from her. Go ahead there, Miss Cleveland. Yeah, if you could just say it again. Just say it one more time for the people. I won't tell on you, and you won't tell on me. Uh, because they, too, on the inside, see the officers getting away with it. So it's easier just to join them or don't say you have very few uh, because they already know the system from the inside, and they see that they get away with it, and they'll know they'll be harassed. It's no different. Exactly. So you say yeah, it's like a union or fraternity. fraternity. That's what they call it, fraternity or policemen. Yeah, Can I say something? So, Yep. Let, 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 let me say this. The only way to make a drastic change that we're speaking of, we have to start from the beginning. If we get 100% of our voters to start voting for these folks in office, we can make some changes. Because right now, they take everything yes, for granted, period. They take everything for granted. Then you can put the pressure on them. You can ask them. I remember in Dallas years ago, Diane Rags, Diane's a friend of mine as well. Uh, she... Um, and others were, were fighting for a uh, review board that was not police-related. See, when you have police investigating police, uh, you know, come on now. You, that, that's, it's not going to come out well. There has to have be an independent uh, person or entity that does that, and that's where the problem lies right now. But we have to start at the beginning. Like I said earlier, you don't look at a forest fire and say it's a problem. So how can we, we have to think about how can we prevent this. You have to go back, how, how did the fire start? You know, how did I gain 400 pounds? It was because I was eating a lot too much food, so I had to stop that and lose 150. You know, you have to start at the beginning. So the power is in two places, our power to vote and then our dollar. If we stop spending our money with these folks that don't respect us, on the 27th there's a program out that we're not supposed to spend money anywhere. Take our money out of circulation in this country and see what happens. As long as yeah, they know the we're going to keep spending, beg your pardon. No, no, go ahead. As long as they send us these no, stimulus as long as they know we're going to keep money. spending our money, they're not going to do anything for us. If we try, we, see, we're trying to appeal to a good side that may not exist. We're appealing to something that doesn't exist. What exists is greed. This country is built on greed, greed and deception. So if Everybody, we pull our black dollars, if we pull our black dollars back, if we pull our black dollars back. Think about all these businesses out here that depend on us to step in and spend our $5, our $2, our $15. Pull it out of their pocket for a minute like they did down in Montgomery, Alabama in 1955 when they yes, broke that so tramp, down their knees. Yes, but there are so many that feel like they're, that feel like they're well-to-do that look like us that won't join that mm-hmm. fight, and they're going to tell you, listen, I got it so you can get it too. 
And that's the problem. But the real truth of the matter is, is that America owes the black community an upwards of $97 trillion from our ancestors. And from us. Absolutely. Okay? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But, but, but those people, those those people are well-to-do, sister. Those people that are well-to-do, think about the money that President Obama raised for people giving $1 and $2. If we pull the, the majority of the people are not up at that, that, that crust we're talking about. If, if, see, I, I started a program one dollar one hour when I was with the city of Dallas. That means anybody could give one dollar in one hour of their time to help change the, the flight in, in South Dallas or any other community. We have to depend on the millions that do not have that type of lifestyle to come in and say, okay, well, I'm going to stop spending my dollar over here. I'm going to stop going down to uh, the Oriental uh, uh, hair supply locations because they look at me like I'm still there when I walk in the door. Take that dollar out of their hands and change things. That is so true. I tell you what, we're getting ready to wind down this program. We're going to let Miss Cleveland and Miss Elise have a few words, and then we're going to end up here. Go ahead and close us out here, just uh, address some things that are due to your heart, and encourage us to be a part of something greater than ourselves. You know, I like to say help change a life. And guess what? God changed our life and in turn give us an opportunity to change someone else's life. How is that? By making sound decisions, by helping someone, by caring, by sharing, by being involved. By Come on now. Talk to me. Yeah, so I'm going to end it with a, just a tag on board, just like two sentences, and I'll let Cynthia do her thing with the federal prison. Uh, that's very, very important fight. And so with George, if you, uh, even officers will tell you that once a, a person is handcuffed, if you're talking intent, once a person is handcuffed, the real threat is over. They can no longer stab you, shoot you, beat you, uh, have yes. advantage over you. There you have it. Um, I just, I wanted to also let somebody, everybody know that, that the federal prison system actually has life insurance on each one of these uh, federal inmates also. So if they release these inmates, then they are going to lose out on these inmates if they, in fact, do die. So they don't, they're very, they're very um, against trying to release them for compassionate release, even though that is the law because um, the Attorney General, William Barr, did say that they should release people who are vulnerable to the disease and, um, certain people that meet the criteria to be released, and they are still not doing what what the law is. Just because they yes, want to well, shun their money. Go ahead. The feds love breaking the law. No, I was just saying the feds love breaking the law, so that it, it doesn't surprise us. Yes, they do. Hey, I want to, uh, before, I, before you get off the line, I want to just thank you, thank you, thank you for what you're doing. That is very dear to my heart. But as a young man, I was exposed to this criminal justice system uh, a few times. But because of, uh, I, I didn't know any better. But I recall one time when an officer stopped me, and I didn't have a criminal record. And he said, I, he said, you all need a criminal record. That's one thing that they hold us hostage as, a, as whether you're black or brown, because they get one reason to get you. They say, look, look at this track record. He must have done it because they look at all the stuff we got against him. We have to educate our young men because they make some mistakes at one time. They don't have to continue to go that route again. And if you made that mistake, it's not the end of you. And I thank you for you having the boldness to go out there even though you know that's some things in your head, that you have the boldness to go out and say, uh, release them and let them go. And, and thank let you, ladies, know. for what you're doing. 
Your labor is not hey, in hey, vain. And we're not lawyers. Hey, and we're not lawyers or uh, judges or anything. That's right. But you have a desire and a passion, and guess what? Some doors are going to be open just because you're willing to push them open. Yeah, say it again, Cynthia. We'll say it together. Prison lives matter. Uh, Prison lives matter. Prison lives matter. Yes, it does. We're going to end it there. We're going to let Mr. Ken have the last word. And I'll tell you what, I would love for you ladies to be on the show at a later date to give us an update on this here because this is something that needs to be addressed on a regular basis. I have your numbers down here, and I would love for you to call in and lend your voice to our program. Anytime. Thank you. That's great. See, that's what we have to make a special arrangement. Go ahead. I'd like to say to the ladies uh, uh, to piggyback on what you said, uh, and um, I wish you the best with what you're doing. Uh, I can t- I can hear passion, uh, and I hear passion when you when you ladies speak, and that's a beautiful thing. Uh, the fight thank continues. You. Yeah, no, thank, thank you. you. So no, thank you for what for what you're doing. And uh, remember, uh, my favorite phrase anybody knows me is when spider webs unite, they can tie up a lion. As long bless as we're us. united. I'm sorry. No, I said bless us. Keep blessing us. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if, as long as we, if, if anything we can do as a people, everyone that's on the line, everyone that's listening, wherever you are, everything we can do as a people that brings us together and shows unity. That is one thing the society fears is our unity. So we must strive very hard to bring that together. So if there's ever anything I could do for you ladies, get my information from the good reverend. Uh, I wish you well. Uh, and thank you for inviting me to come on uh, your show. Uh, to the two men that spoke, one in California, I believe, and I forgot where the other brother was from. Their their words were and not in vain. New Orleans. New Orleans. How can I forget New Orleans? That, that's, that's amazing. Uh, New Orleans, uh, if you brothers are still listening, right on with the right on. I wish you guys the best. And... Uh, Hopefully, I'll get a chance to, to meet everyone that's on this line. That sounds great. Hey, I want to thank you uh, for being a guest. I was so del- and the latest, uh, Miss Elisa and Miss uh, Cleveland, and also you, Mr. Rodney. You, the show couldn't have been what it is without you. We have many, many more people that are online, but they said they wanted to listen in. And it's good to listen. Sometimes we act before we listen, and that's a powerful thing. I'm pretty sure that each one of you and listen proud to doing what you do now and listen to me invite I mean you 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 listen it will intently in order to learn and to go out. I want you to know that when you go out you don't go out alone that the voice of God is leading in you you and encouraging you through other men that like and that would like passion. And I want you to know that the uh that the uh the best is yet to come. Thank you for what yes, you're doing. I have that same passion that you have. I like to do jail, prison, and street ministry. But because of what's going on now, I'm reorganizing things. But we'll be back at it. But I need to be uh, I, I need to uh, uh, be surrounded with like-minded people. Because we ain't in this by ourselves. Sometimes we think that we're the only ones doing it. But yet, I know that I have a sister that's on the, that's on the jail house. She's doing it in Fort Worth. I'm doing it in Dallas. I have a brother that's speaking to the lives of our young men. And so thank you, thank you, thank you for uh, being a part of what God is doing. Amen. You're welcome, Thank you. God bless you. Y'all enjoy the rest of your day. Before we go, we'd just like to have a word of prayer. Grace and Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for this day that's not promised to us. The Lord, as we 
Think about how good you've been to each and every one of us. Let us be mindful, dear Lord, that you will never leave nor forsake us. Let us be mindful of the work that you put our hands to do. You built us up. You fortified us. You call us for such a time as this. And we give you the praise and the glory. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. You'll listen to another great episode of Free on the Inside Ministry. Please look forward to uh, being with us again next week. Same time with another great topic. Another great discussion. And also, we'll have you along with us. So God bless you. Enjoy the balance of your day. <laughs>